May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Stephen Knoll, Steve Knoll, uh, and it's pleasure to be back again, uh, if I dare say, back home again at Truro. Um, I came here in 1976. We're going to have a little slideshow. My wife and I, I had just been out of seminary and ordained a deacon. Peggy, why don't you wave your hand or stand up? My wife is here with us today. And uh, then a year later, I was uh, ordained priest. This is the priest ordination in 1972. Um, and then in 1974, I became the priest in charge or interim rector when the rector retired. And I served in that capacity uh, until 1976 when John Howe was called to be rector. And this was my last confirmation class of students, uh, some of whom might even be here today uh, if they're uh, still able to get toddle in. And over on the far right is uh, Reverend John Howe who became the rector in 1976 uh, for about 15 years. So um, that was my initiation to Truro, but actually it resumed in the year uh, 2000 when my wife and I felt a missionary call to Uganda where I was the vice chancellor, that is the uh, uh, president of a new university, Uganda Christian University. And for 10 years we, we were there uh, in Uganda and we were sponsored by Truro Church as missionaries. And Truro also sent a container uh, every year. Now here we see John Hutchins handing over some uh, computer consoles uh, to Patrick Mangani, who was our head of our computer services. This was a tremendous blessing to us for the 10 years that we were in Uganda. So one way or another, we have felt this long-term connection uh, to Truro. Um, now, of course, it's been uh, 50 years, and there's a tendency when you get to be our age to uh, want to uh, have vivid memories and tell long stories. Uh, I'll refrain from the latter, but I can't resist one. So my first Sunday, again, right out of seminary, newly ordained, my first Sunday I, I, I preached a sermon. Now, in those days, the pulpit was about twice as high as it is now. It had this winding staircase. So I went up to get in. The problem was the, uh, colonial, uh, uh, the colonial hardware uh, was not easy to determine. You had to pull a little lever from under it. I didn't know that. So I stood there at the top of the ladder and looked across here and said, help! <laughs> And to confirm my story, as I sat right here today, I locked it. It's the same piece of hardware. It probably came from the... See if you can get in. So that was my introduction. First sermon at uh, Truro Church. Um, well, obviously I have a, a history there. And, and in Uganda, what they call people like me is they call them a historical. So I'm a historical here to speak with you today. But if this is true for me and for others, imagine what it was like to have been the closest friend of Jesus Christ. Uh, and that's what St. John says of himself in the fourth, fourth gospel. We could have another little quick 
slideshow. So here is the Last Supper and the beloved disciple leaning on Jesus' breast or bosom. And then we're going to, uh, John was also present at the crucifixion with Mary. I don't have a picture of that, but here we see the younger John racing with St. Peter to the empty tomb. And you can see why John got there first. <laughs> but he was also known as one of the oldest uh, surviving of Jesus' disciples. And so this is one of the icons of John, the evangelist, with the, the Bible in his hand at an elderly age. Okay, thanks very much for that slideshow. I'll continue now. Um, so, at the end of the gospel, uh, John writes, this meaning himself, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things, who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now, it's the universal tradition of the church and even of modern scholars, believe it or not, that this John also wrote the, the letters, the three letters, one of which we've been uh, studying these last few weeks. Now, he doesn't name himself in these letters, but if you listen carefully, you can see his fingerprints. This is what he says at the beginning of First uh, John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon, and which we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and we testify to it, and we proclaim it to you, the eternal life which is in the Father and was made manifest to us. So as I said, this same John was known in the early church as the elder um, and may have even been a bishop in the church in Ephesus, which was the largest city in the Eastern Roman Empire in the first couple centuries. Uh, it's, it's highly likely that the Gospel of John was a kind of memoir of Jesus as John knew him. Think of that. The man who literally put his head on Jesus' chest and heard him speak and saw him die and, and watched uh, Thomas put his fingers into the nail holes. That man is the one who's speaking to us today through the scripture. That's why I titled this sermon, John to His Church, From the Heart of God to Our Hearts. Now, when I say the heart of God, I mean the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. John's writings were key texts for the church fathers as they hammered out the doctrine of the Trinity. Here's what John said at the end of, of his prologue in John chapter 1. This is the gospel. He says, no one has ever seen God, the only begotten Son of God, who is in the bosom of the Father, that Son has made the Father known. I find it fascinating that John uses the same intimate image of resting in the bosom of the Father to describe himself as resting in the bosom of Jesus. So what is it that John heard from Jesus that he's communicating to us today? 
It's hard to miss uh, a one-word answer. I asked one of my old confirmands whether she could answer it, but I won't try. Are you, were you one of my confirmands? Oh, sorry. Anyway, but it's the word love. The word love, agape, is found throughout the New Testament writings. But John's used dwarfs, all, all, dwarfs them all. It occurs 34 times in Jesus' farewell address to the disciples in John 4, 13 to 17. It occurs 44 times in the letters of John that we're studying, and 28 times in this passage today alone. The word, the word acts almost as a narcotic, or maybe I should say a lullaby that overwhelms us and transports us into the very heart of God. But what is love? Uh, the world, of course, tells us that uh, love is what makes a Subaru a Subaru. <laughs> this isn't very helpful beyond confirming the America's uh, love affair with the automobile. C.S. Lewis more famously wrote of four loves, family affection, erotic love, friendship, and God's love, agape. Now, I think agape actually encompasses all the other loves, but it is particularly distinguished by grace and by sacrifice. Twice in our passage today, John uh, speaks of love as God's initiative when he says God's, God sent his son into the world. And these referred uh, to recall Jesus' own saying, God so loved the world that he sent his son and gave him up that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This grace-filled Initiating love is also a sacrificial, atoning love. As John also says in our passage, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So the heart of God is pierced by the cross of Christ. And it, and it bleeds into all the other loves, all the other human loves, the parental love of the prodigal father who welcomes back his rebellious son, as do many heartbroken parents today. The erotic love of husband and wife, which is harnessed for mutual submission as couples learn to offer hospitality to others, including their children. Sex in the service of God, one writer, writer calls it. And then of friendship, Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that someone should lay down his life for his friends, and you are my friends if you do what I command you. Christian friendship is more often experienced as brotherly love, Philadelphia, uh, and it's uniquely experienced when we gather together to break bread and partake of the body and blood of Christ. Finally, and most importantly, John says twice about love, and this is coming from the heart knowledge of Jesus, God is love. God is love. 
The closest parallel I can think of for this in the Bible comes from the Old Testament where God names himself, I am that I am. This name both reveals and conceals. God alone exists apart from his creation, from all eternity. But what does he exist for? John's answer, or maybe I should say Jesus' answer is, for us, for us. That was the watchword of the Protestant Reformation, which many people celebrate on October 31st. Uh, it's for us that he came. And, and he's, we know he's for us because he's with us in the full humanity of Jesus Christ. And we know that he is with us because he's in us through the Holy Spirit that he sent into our heart, proclaiming Abba, Father. There is no fear in love, John says in our lesson today, but perfect love casts out fear. Brothers and sisters, what wonderful news uh, this is. Amen? Amen, good, amen. Um, this is the message also of All Saints Day, that this love is not just for us individually, but for us corporately as a church. Now, uh, John begins this whole section we've been reading with this word, beloved. That's a plural, beloved. That's all of us. All the saints are loved. But we're loved in some senses together. The second letter of John begins this way. He says, the elder, that means himself, the elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth. I'm pretty sure that that elect lady is a, a symbol for the whole church that, that he loves. The mystical body of Christ on earth. There's a saying about the elderly John that as he was just about on his deathbed, his uh, disciples came to him and said, just tell us a little bit more about what Jesus uh, had spoken to you. And John murmured, little children, love one another. And, and then they said, yes, but what else did Jesus say? He said, that's all that Jesus said. Little children, love one another. Friends, Truro was my first church. I remember uh, five years after I came when I went down the path there to turn in my keys. And I did so with a certain pang of loss. Over the years, as you can see, I've spoken of, of Truro as my first love. Needless to say, the people of Truro Church have turned over almost completely in those 50 years. I admit there are a few survivors left out here that I've been meeting and will maybe meet a little later at our luncheon. But I believe that the church itself has the, the love of God stamped on it. Uh, I would call it uh, a half century of witness. At, at, this, at this place and beyond that. And that the heart of God would summon you and renew you in that love, that first love which I experienced so many years ago. Let's pray. Keep, O oh Lord, your household, the church, in continual godliness and set us free from all adversities that under your protection we may serve you with true devotion and holy deeds. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
Amen.